0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies, our new movie podcast. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my brother.
0: Wesley, hello.
1: And today, we are talking about Best Motion Picture of the Year nominee, Joker. Now, I have to say that before we officially launched this podcast, We did a pilot of Joker. In fact, I think it was our very first episode.
0: I think so, too. It was right at the theatrical release.
1: Yes, but the 11 nominations, the fact that this was the most nominated film, means that we have to cover it again.
0: The first R-rated movie ever to cross the $1 billion mark at the box office.
1: Probably worth covering again. Sure. Plus, we had some interesting things to say, I think, in my humble opinion, about the film. Why don't we do a little recap? Because it's been a while.
0: Okay, go.
1: This is your this is your chance to do your spontaneous recap and show your spontaneous recap skills.
0: Okay, so the Joker was the character of Arthur Fleck, a new name in the DC universe. Uh, Arthur Fleck is a hapless individual who decides to try a career in stand-up comedy. It doesn't go very well because Arthur is very sad and with that sadness comes psychopathy and ultimately the sort of uh, show business career and the adoration and the adulation that he desires uh, all of which is being received by the robert de niro character culminates in ultimately him appearing on his show and hilarity ensues
1: well you mean meant by hilarity you mean disaster
0: Disaster ensues. Spoiler. If you haven't seen this movie by now, you're on the fringes of society.
1: Yes. Most people have seen this, which is why we can have fun talking about
0: it. Sure. Not that we were ever spoiler-free before.
1: That's true. So your recap brought up all these emotions in me, like I was thinking about how cool it was to see Robert De Niro in what I thought was a totally transformative process, or how surprised I was to see Arthur Fleck shoot Robert De Niro's you know, TV host character in the head totally did not see that coming.
0: Wait, did you say Robert De Niro in a transformative role or did you mean Joaquin Phoenix?
1: Well I mean that's kind of a given and we can talk about that too but I did not recognize Robert De Niro in his role. Really? Yeah, yeah literally like okay so Brian and I went to the theater to see this movie, which is super rare. It was like this treat that his sister-in-law, that my sister-in-law, his sister gave to us by taking the kids for an evening, letting us go out and see a movie. Super rare experience. I was like really into it. It may have colored how much I liked the film. But anyway, in the theater, I was like, dude, is that Robert De Niro? And he was like, yeah, like duh, obviously, and I was like no, it's not obvious. I thought he was totally transformative.
0: Well, I guess that's good because Robert De Niro was definitely the star power that was added to this movie. Not to say that Joaquin Phoenix isn't a super high profile actor, he certainly is, but I think that Robert De Niro's character led the credibility to this quote unquote comic book movie in the way that Tim Burton had a hard time getting his Batman off the ground with Michael Keaton in the role. I don't think Michael Keaton was signed until they had the cachet of Jack Nicholson, when he came on board, then people started to take this comic book movie more seriously. Huh. So I don't know if that was the case, Trying, but maybe for Todd Phillips to get it off the ground, he needed somebody real for a dramatic role when he's mostly known for comedies. Speaking of which, we should clear this up right now. What? You and Todd Phillips.
1: Yes. Yes? Why
0: do you like Todd Phillips so much?
1: Well, because he directed my favorite movie of all time. Which is what? The Hangover.
0: I looked him up this morning just to refresh my memory. Was it that guy? I tried to make sure it was. Todd Phillips directed Old School, which is by far my favorite of the sort of Will Ferrell comedies.
1: Yeah, they all right.
0: Yeah, he went through uh, The Hangover, but he's also responsible for The Hangovers 2 and 3.
1: Yeah, well, those are just cash grabs.
0: So when you see movies that are as perfect to you as The Hangover, uh, go through the same processes to less effective degrees uh, with the same director, uh, that doesn't take away from the beauty of the first movie uh, at all for you?
1: Well, I, I mean, I guess they're so transparent in their in their capitalizing on popularity and, and cash that, I don't know, I kind of respect them.
0: I don't know that before this, Todd Phillips was a sort of auteur who wouldn't go for a cash grab, you know. He was a comedy director who would certainly take the chance, and The Hangover was wildly successful. I think in that way, it's kind of like Back to the Future for me, where the first one is a perfect movie. And I think that I'm not alone in saying that. The sequel is not as much, and while I still love things about them, certainly three more than two, uh, they never lived up to the... uh, the, the first movie. Yeah, how and could they though? <clears throat> Still, things to like, and are you sad that there are Hangovers 2 and 3 in the world, or are there is there enough there just never reached the potential of the first?
1: I was sad when I went to go see Hangover 2. It was opening night, midnight screening, and I was like, Brian, I really want to go see this, and I dragged him out to the theater, and we got to the theater, and I like handed them the tickets, and he was like, he dragged you out to this, huh? And Mm. I was like, ma ha, like totally the opposite. I'm so excited for this movie. And yes, that was a disappointment. But the fact that two and three exist don't taint how perfect number one is.
0: Because you get to see alternate versions of those characters, or for, you know, even if it's not the best, you still want to see those characters again, right? Yeah. Okay. Getting a little bit off topic here. Coming back to Joker, Todd Phillips, not the obvious choice for this movie. He might have had some difficulty in getting it made. But when I heard about this movie, and it was nothing but hype from the start, and I heard Joaquin Phoenix, I thought there is no better person to play the Joker than Joaquin Phoenix, who's already a little bit crazy, has a unique look, certainly has that sort of manic... uh, manic ability, he had been doing, in recent years, movies like The Master, where you can see that sort of seething uh, undercurrent of madness. Yeah. Uh, I I always thought he would be really effective. In the same way that I thought that unpopular opinion, J.J. Abrams was the perfect person to helm Star Wars. Mm-hmm. When that was announced, people were like, that guy? And I was like, absolutely no one better. I was willing to give Todd Phillips, and certainly Joaquin Phoenix, uh, a chance right. when it came to this movie. Nothing but hype leading up to this movie. I was frankly surprised by how well it did, uh, but it hasn't stopped rolling. It's just released on uh, video, riding high on these Oscar nominations, and we'll see where it goes. But it looks unstoppable, and Joker 2 is inevitable. As to how well it's going to fare at the Oscars, I don't think it matters.
1: Oh, because they've already had their box office success?
0: Uh, Not just that. It won't taint it. It can only help it this movie has already been established in the hearts and minds of the fans and the critics as being a great movie and I don't think that Oscars will do anything. I don't think a complete and total wash at the Oscars will will hurt the chances for it's you know home video numbers and uh, upcoming sequel.
1: So people love this movie and awards are kind of a non-issue.
0: Yes. It is critic proof.
1: It's critic proof. It's so interesting because it's not exactly a, it's certainly not a feel-good movie. In fact Joaquin Phoenix gives you the heebie-jeebies, or at least he did me. Um, it's dark, it's violent. It's not something that I would think people would just kind of go out there and run with.
0: I don't understand it, it's an enigma how well this movie is doing. Because of how dark it was, are people latching onto this character and can they identify with this character as being a hero in the way that other superhero movies do? I don't know. People love the Joker. Why do they love this Joker? Did you love this Joker?
1: Did I love Joaquin Phoenix's interpretation of this Joker?
0: Yes. Did you love this Joker character? Can you uphold him as a legendary movie character that you can understand the appeal? A Hannibal Lecter maybe? I, I think I had the kind of reaction that you get, uh, get from Brian.
1: Did I like this Joker?
0: Sure. I feel the same way, sure, that I like watching Joaquin Phoenix, absolutely. I think that his face was more interesting than the makeup they put, him, put, put on him, which was a deliberate departure from traditional Joker makeup. Yeah. There was some speculation as to whether this Joker character might precede the Joker, might be a predecessor of the Joker later on, because it certainly he looked different and kind of acted different. I'm not sure how I feel about this portrayal because he wasn't the sort of manic, sadistic character that I was hoping for. He was just sort of sad Joker.
1: He was sad. I mean, his his life was not enviable.
0: The approach was grounded in realism. Joaquin Phoenix studied compulsive laughter patients and modeled his Joker laugh after them.
1: A completely mirthless, creepy, uncontrollable laugh.
0: In a kind of mirthless, creepy, uncontrollable movie. I didn't know what was gonna happen, but it wasn't in a good way because I think the Joker character, at least how I've seen it traditionally portrayed uh, in the source material as well as in the movies, takes great pleasure in everything he does. Mm. Uh, He's the clown prince of crime not the sad dude of clowning.
1: Right, and and instead we had a sad joker who basically escaped to his comedy or to his fantasy in order to escape the the very sad bleakness of his life.
0: Yes, grounding it too closely in actual mental illness
1: hmm.
0: was more sad than it was at uplifting. But maybe people identified with that?
1: I mean it certainly made, it, it made the Joker seemed plausible. It made it plausible that someone could become a folk antihero. hero I don't know. It made him seem plausible. I didn't think that he was overly grounded in reality in a way that detracted from his character. I thought that the, I had some qualms with the fantasy aspect of the film being you know the, his own um, delusions and also what may or may not have been a delusion at the end.
0: Yeah, so we can talk about that, but we can start with the other delusion to which I think you're referring, which is the, his, uh, his love interest. Right. The character of Sophie, who was who his neighbor, obviously came to be revealed as someone who was not real, who was in his head. She may have been a real person, she may have actually been his neighbor with whom he had limited interaction, but certainly um, the fact that she was non-existent was a dramatic reveal In the movie that i don't think worked very well i think i saw that coming and for me that's saying something because i wasn't expecting i I wasn't criticizing her validity as a character or as a person or as an entity during the movie but as soon as she showed sympathy for a person who nobody else showed sympathy for i thought well she might be in his head Mm -hmm. Uh, and so when it happened it had no impact on me whatsoever. And thus, I'm not sure. I feel like the Joker was a movie that was stacked very deliberately with a few tricks up its sleeve. It was going to be a grounded, realistic, gritty Joker. It wasn't going to shy away from the mental illnesses that would compel a person to become a character like the Joker. And rooted in that, they were going to introduce a love story that didn't end up being real. The idea being that it would be all the more impactful when you think that maybe one of the only good things in his life was totally manufactured, almost in a way as if he was setting himself up for disappointment. Mm. And then the fantasy aspect where he could sort of build himself up to be this heralded legendary figure when maybe he was just a sad guy with a gun.
1: So if, if the ending was indeed a fantasy, then where does he end up in reality?
0: I think that ultimately after killing Murray He ended up in Arkham Asylum, which is where he was at the end of the movie. In the fantasy, what I believe to be a fantasy of the ending, um, he got in a car crash where his minions sabotaged his trip to the jail, Right, pulled him out, all bloody and battered, and set him up on this pedestal above his legion of loyal followers, Joker wannabes, and heralded him as the Clown Prince of Crime, and we see the emergence of the character that we're more familiar with. Right. right The character who inspires chaos and loyalty from uh, people with a chaotic mindset. That wasn't the case because he was in Arkham after the fact, talking to the therapist completely devoid of any injuries. and if he were pulled out of the cop car and set up and protected by all these people, how did he ultimately end up in the asylum?
1: Okay, so let's let's go with this uh, the ending that he that he went to the asylum and that all of his um, becoming the joker, Um, and, and being put up on the pedestal was fantasy. If that is the Joker quote origin story, then where do we go from there? How does he become the Joker that we know that is adored by minions?
0: I'm not sure. It's a question that lends itself to the movie at large. This movie, uh, Todd Phillips has established, was never going to be incorporated in the current DC Universe. The next Batman up is Robert Pattinson, or Batinson, as he's called, and Todd Phillips has stated unequivocally that this Joker will never meet that Batman. It was meant to be a standalone. I don't think anybody expected it to be as wildly successful as it was. demanding a sequel, essentially, which is going to happen. I don't know how it's going to tie in.
1: So if, if he did end up in Arkham Asylum, then there would be a whole other chapter, so to speak, before he actually becomes the Joker that we know from comic books?
0: Yeah, maybe they, they cornered themselves in like Ridley Scott did with the Alien movies. He went in a direction that he felt was best for that movie and then it made it more difficult for him to hash out where that movie was gonna connect to a larger universe that we're all familiar with. I'm not sure. And I think it's only another of a few relatively poor choices that this movie made. And again, I I don't understand the slavish devotion that this movie is getting from, from fans. So speaking to that, in the larger picture, this movie has a responsibility to comic book fans. We were intended to see the Joker with a realistic origin and how that would bring some gravitas or reality to the Batman universe, which is kind of fantastical. But he, all the pieces are there. He ends up in Arkham Asylum. Um, Bruce Wayne may or may not be his father. He meets Alfred. Uh, we see the iconic scene where Batman's parents are shot in the alley, a scene we've seen multiple times. The, Todd Phillips remains dedicated to the canon, to the lore of Batman, and is firmly ensconcing this Joker in that world, even if it's the world that we haven't seen previously. But without all that, if we stripped away all the Batman elements, would it have been as impactful a movie if we didn't know that he was destined to become the iconic Joker character? No. Or as Kelly said, is was he he could have been any crazy guy. And... And it wouldn't have been as entertaining a movie if he wasn't the crazy guy who becomes the Joker who ultimately becomes Batman's arch nemesis. Yeah, I think it was a nice safe cushion that this movie surrounded itself with. And without it, I'm not sure that this would have been as good a movie.
1: No, the joy comes from seeing him become the Joker. We're, we're rushing toward this eventuality and, and it's very pleasing or satisfying to get there, to see him stand up on the car and be allotted by his minions. Um, but I think that you wouldn't really, you wouldn't be asking this question if it wasn't Joaquin's performance and his, in his sad, what you call him, sad clown, comedian. Yeah. It, it, you wouldn't be asking this question if that wasn't really the the central force of the film. I mean, You're that's right. really what the film is. And
0: it also would not have been the first R-rated movie to cross a billion dollars if it didn't have the Joker character. Right. I don't think we can get away with ending this podcast without talking about the Joker character. Okay. In a way the Joker character as a concept, this might be getting meta, I don't think any character has been as prestigious a role for so many actors.
1: Well it kind of starts with Jack Nicholson and he created mystique about the character.
0: And lended some real gravity to it given that he was a serious actor. I mean certainly he can play that manic role but he was a serious actor of real clout and power. playing at the time what was probably regarded to be a light comic booky, silly character.
1: But he also spoke openly about how it drove him mad personally and then that was reinforced by Heath Ledger, his performance and his death, rest in peace.
0: Yep. Joaquin Phoenix has said too that the weight loss he underwent for this movie, something like 50 pounds, he said in a way that drove him crazy where losing that weight and getting to that ultimate goal and quibbling over a few ounces kind of leads to this sort of manic obsession in a way that he kind of parlayed into his Joker character. So again, the character of the Joker, as far as actors is concerned, is is probably as notorious as the comic book character is for fans in recent years. Um, In that way, Joaquin Phoenix had a long way to go. To separate himself from Heath Ledger who won an Oscar posthumously for this role the same role and Jack Nicholson who brought a lot of weight and credibility to the production what 30 years ago but I think he did an admirable job of making the character his own uh, it, it's a little bit of a learning curve trying to settle into this new Joker but I can't fault him at all for the choices that he made I think he was very good in this movie I just don't know if it was as good a movie around as around him as he deserved
1: hmm you feel like the movie was just a vehicle for Joaquin Phoenix?
0: I think that this is the opposite of the Leonardo DiCaprio syndrome. I think that he, that Joaquin Phoenix is a very good actor. I think there are certainly roles that fit him better than others, sure. and this was a role that w- he was born to play. I think he was great in the movie, it just wasn't as good a movie.
1: Whereas, Leonardo DiCaprio is an adequate actor in great movies. In
0: great movies. And when he's not in great movies, it really shows. Because he's not enough. His character is not enough to carry those movies. Whereas Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal, even in a worse movie than this, would have still been a success. Right. So to unravel what we just said, it was an all right movie with a good performance by Joaquin Phoenix. It wasn't a flashy character. It was a very sad and dour character that moved me in all the wrong ways. It wasn't the Joker that I was hoping for, the wild-eyed, crazy, cackling person who loves being sadistic and is scary because of his complete inability to feel sympathy or remorse while he's doing horrible things and laughing all the way through it. Maybe that was there in this movie, but it was almost a compulsion that he felt that was against his will, because I think the Arthur Fleck character was trying to be a good person, but was, uh, was driven to madness. By, uh, by society.
1: By society, by his co-workers, by his station in life.
0: Whereas I think uh, a more appropriate Joker character would have wholeheartedly embraced that.
1: Maybe he gets there.
0: Maybe. We'll have to see. And it'll be interesting to see how they can incorporate this franchise now into a larger Batman DC universe.
1: Right. So it's interesting for me because being I don't know how many episodes we are in being you know having launched our podcast having having been doing this for a couple months now at least i was expecting to come in and feel and feel differently or to feel like i could speak more intelligently about joker but i feel kind of about the same as i did before and it really comes down to kind of a um i hate to say it but like a gut feeling about a film like, do you walk away feeling moved? Do you walk away feeling involved or immersed in this world? And I, and I remember feeling that way and I kind of still do and I still think it's a, a good movie.
0: No, the gut is important. That reaction and clinging to it, that was, that's what makes you an independent reviewer and not following the herds. Right. you know. Even if you can read things about this movie and certainly people have been gushing about this movie for six months non-stop, you have to have your own opinion and you have to stand by it and you can see where those arguments come in but it's not your opinion that is valid, it's your defense of that opinion. Exactly
1: yes. and that's why gut alone is not enough. You right. have to be able to articulate what that gut is telling you.
0: Thankfully you're educated and now a professional podcaster. Are you is it professional if we're not getting paid anything? And
1: I mean, I think professional is a matter of mindset. Yeah. And we're getting paid and uh, we're not getting paid.
0: Hopefully this episode will bring a little bit of insight to the movie or make you examine it in a way that you hadn't before because no, we're not going to stop anybody from seeing it. Everybody's seeing it. In fact, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't yet seen, seen Joker, you're lame and useless because it's not going to, Yeah. You shouldn't listen to podcasts or read spoilers about or discussions about movies that you haven't seen.
1: Well, you know, there are some people who really don't care about spoilers and just want to hang out with us, and that's okay, too.
0: Yeah, fine. We love you. Please sponsor us.
1: Yes, please sponsor us. Please support us on Patreon. Please follow us. Please like us. Please rate us. And please talk to us. You can call us at 818-835-0473 or email us at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com. Thanks again for indulging us in our um, second edition of Joker. And we'll see you next time.
0: Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electricast.
1: acid. Welcome to Ringside with Ray
0: and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, this No, this is my dad. My name is Prince Daniel's Jr. Daniels again.